0: To this week's episode of Lex Appeal. I'm your host, Lexi White, but you can call me Lex. I am so excited to have Anna Krollman here with me today. We were able to hop on a Zoom call and just chat a little bit. Um, as Most everyone knows October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and Anna is a breast cancer survivor, and she and I just were able to kind of start a conversation about her journey and advice that she has for other women who may be going through something similar. We will be doing a part two next week, so hop on Instagram. You can find me at Alexis McCray White, or you can find Anna at My Cancer Chic, M-Y-C-A-N-C-E-R-C-H-I-C, on Instagram, and we're going to put up question boxes on our accounts so that you guys can send in your own questions and be part of this conversation. I'm so excited to get started. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Anna. Um, I've got Anna Krollman here with me. So excited to have you on Lex Appeal. Thank you so much. Um, Anna is a breast cancer survivor, and she's going to kind of dive right in and give us a little bit of her story. Anna, do you want to kick this off and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. Thanks so much for having me, Lex. I'm excited to be on the podcast. So a
1: little bit about me. Um, I am a breast cancer survivor. As Lexi noted, I was diagnosed when I was 27 um, with a kind of breast cancer called triple positive, which is quite aggressive, which is pretty common for young women, when they're diagnosed with breast cancer for it to be um, aggressive. And so it came out of the blue, I didn't have any family history, I wasn't something that I was looking for or expecting. And so obviously, as a 27 year old, you're out living your best life and thinking that you're invincible. And I was in the best shape of my life, eating vegan, drinking smoothies, like working out every day and thinking that I'm on top of the world. and clearly I wasn't. So yeah, I'm honored to be here and talk a little bit more about about that experience.
0: Yeah. I think that, you know, in talking about like that right there, it just, cancer does not discriminate and you can be in the best shape of your life and you can be eating all the right things. And it just sometimes doesn't matter. I know there's a lot of people out there that believe that if you eat all the right things, that you're immune to that, that it can't affect you. But cancer, God, it just, it, does not discriminate that's, and to be so young, like you said, you know, at 27, we all think we're invincible and that, that had to been really scary. It was. And
1: I think, like you said, I love that you said, you know, cancer doesn't discriminate and that it's not your lifestyle factors. Like, I think we all have to just remember that cancer is caused when rogue cells start to multiply Mm -hmm. like yes there are factors in your life that can put you at a higher risk for example you know reducing your alcohol or eating less red meat exercising those are all things that can reduce your risk but like Mm -hmm. you said there is nothing that you can do that can say i cancer's off the table for me there's no possibility And not that we should like live in fear because I don't want anyone to be living their life not to the fullest and afraid that something's going to happen, but just having that awareness and education to say, it could happen to anyone. Mm -hmm. I'm going to understand my health. I'm going to take advantage of things around me to better advocate for myself and just know what's going on in your body, because that, I think, is something that we're not very
0: great about as a culture. <laughs> right. Absolutely. No, I completely agree. And I think that I, I personally, I know talking about advocating for yourself, you go. I feel like especially women, I don't know. Obviously, I can't speak for men, but I know as a woman going to an OBGYN or anything like that, sometimes you have to really like push for certain things really any doctor. It's like they kind of write it off. Oh, you shouldn't worry about this. But we're the ones that have to listen to our guts. And so kind of leading with that, what like what was the reason that you whether it went you went and um, got a mammogram or did you um, find a lump? What what was that that all of a sudden was like, hey, something's off? Yeah, I think that's
1: a great point that you said, like we are we have to advocate for ourselves because we're the only ones that know our body Mm -hmm. like no one else is in your body every single day, feeling the things that you feel. And that could be, you know, a sprained ankle. It could be something's off. You have headaches. It could be anything. Um, For me, I did find a lump. And so that was kind of my sign that something was wrong. But unfortunately, I wasn't in the habit of doing regular breast exams, like they say. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really have anything to compare it to, which is why now I'm such an advocate of do your monthly breast exams because then you know what's normal. You're like, oh, okay, this lumpy area on the left side on the bottom, like that's normal. I've checked it out. I know. But so for me, I found something. And since I didn't know or have any baseline, it was terrifying. And I'm like, okay, what is this? I have no idea. And like you said, being young, you sometimes don't even know like what kind of doctor
0: do I even go to? Like, okay, I felt a lump. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Like. Okay. Now, where do I even go? <laughs> do I go to the emergency yeah, room? What? Like, that's that is so unchartered territory. You're, you're completely right. Like, where do you even start with something like that? That's had to have been yeah. confusing and just all the emotions.
1: And I'm sure, like you know, you talk to to your community about this too. Like, what's involved in your daily life in your 20s and 30s? Like, it's different it's it's not like you're maybe not thinking about the same things that someone in their 40s or 50s is thinking about right. um which i think is also a reason for us to like make sure we have a primary care doctor that we trust mm-hmm. make sure you have an ob-gyn like before anything so that then right. you have this relationship with someone where if something comes up you can reach out and say hey this came up like it's probably nothing but like can we can we check it out let's Absolutely. like let's see um, and so in my case, I did go to an OBGYN and she was so sweet and just said kind of what you were saying, what most people go of, it's probably nothing. Right. And this is where a lot of doctors put stuff. It's probably nothing. Go home. Don't worry. Like yeah. you're fine. You're young. But what I appreciated about this doctor, she said, it's probably nothing, but mm-hmm. let's go get an ultrasound just to be sure, so, because so. a lot of. Young women can have really dense breasts. And so you can have something called a fibroadenoma, which is essentially like a cyst in your breast that feels like a lump, mm-hmm. but it's not cancerous. And okay. so that's actually really common in young women, which I had no idea. I don't know yeah. if you knew that. Like, <laughs> No, I,
0: I, like that's the thing I feel like what I do love about your account and just a little bit of a tangent here. I love about your account and I'm gonna yeah. obviously have you tell everybody where they can find you, but you are educating so many people about things like this. Like that's something I'm 31. And I still didn't know that. Like there is not, it's almost (laughs) like until you're diagnosed or until someone you know, or love is diagnosed, you hear things that you're like, I, I didn't know that. It's not like it's in the school textbooks.
1: Exactly. It's not. And you're right that like unless we've been touched by cancer or know someone we have no context to even understand. Like one big thing is before I was diagnosed with breast cancer, you just think, well, it's breast cancer, it's one thing. Like you're diagnosed with breast cancer, here's what you do. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out there's like 20 different variations of breast cancer and depending on all of your different variables your treatment's different and your experience is different and you know, your age can make a difference. Your weight can make a difference. Your background, your, you know, your racial background, you're like, there's other factors that tie into your risk. Um, So like you said, I love to educate and just be like, Hey, I didn't know this when I was diagnosed. So let's spread the word and get it, get it out there. But I know I went on a bit of a tangent. No, no, I
0: I think that I think this type of conversation does have tangents for that reason, because you think of certain things that you're like, oh, hey, this is important. People need to know this or just, oh, by the way, this is how I felt in this moment, you know, and I I think it's just one of those topics that is kind of full of tangents because it's not one size fits (laughs) all.
1: That's so true. And I think, I mean, you know, for your audience that hopefully none of them have gone through cancer or maybe they know somebody that has you know, I mean, I think the biggest thing is like, get to know your boobies. Like every single person has boobs. And I've heard people say like, Oh, well, my boobs are tiny. It is nothing to do with size. If you have an ounce of breast tissue, or you have 60 ounces of breast Mm -hmm. tissue, like you, you need to know your breasts, you need to know like, Know that there is an odd, wonky spot on the top on the left side. Yeah. Know that you have a really dense spot on your like right side. Like, get literally, like, get to
0: know them. Stand in yeah. front of a mirror. Get out
1: there. Like, get. And naked, that's something I have peeling. to be better
0: about because, like, it's so funny. Like, I sit there and I'm like, oh, I know my boobs because I sit there. Like, I live alone and I'm like <laughs> naked all the time and I'm just sitting there like hanging out with my boobs. And but I'm like, okay, realistically, <laughs> am I actually checking them or am I just hanging out with my hands on my boobs?
1: Yeah. Am I just like? Having Having a little handsy time. I'm just hanging out. Doing, like an investigation.
0: <laughs> right. I think, and like you're saying, even just standing in the mirror, and I actually just re watched one of your reels about how to check for, you know, lumps or anything or do yourself exam every, on the first of every month, you know. And I, and I want to share that for sure on my stories because even at 31, I'm like, I don't do that enough. And, you know, it doesn't matter. Like you said, doesn't matter what age, doesn't matter your gender, doesn't matter your breast size men get breast cancer. Um, Absolutely. and I think that, you know, and again, that is not something that I can speak to as a man, but I'm sure that that has to be, I think it, I have heard that it's embarrassing for men because they're like, Oh, well, I guess I have breasts. But like you said, we all have breast tissue. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: That's- and even once like you've had breast cancer, because that's another misconception. It's like, oh, well, you're good. like, You don't need to do anything. And I always am like pushing my girls that have had it or men mm-hmm. and saying like, no, you still need to be checking yourself. Like, Cancer yeah. can be on the chest wall. It can be in any places. And again, it's not about that fear because I think people hear the word cancer and they're terrified, like rightfully yeah. so. I was too. But it's more about like what are the things that you can control, right? Mm-hmm. And you can control certain risk factors in your life. Yeah. One of which, like that's proven, is you know limiting your alcohol consumption. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Lex. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's like, your life I
0: don't really drink that much, which that's what like no, that's actually real, a yeah. mistake about me. I'm like I don't drink a lot, but I'm in the industry and I'm like post about it all. <laughs>
1: But okay, see, so you can advocate and be like, right. hey, you can do this in moderation. Be responsible. Like, yes,
0: exactly. Be responsible. Exactly.
1: And like the exercise factor of like, hey, making sure you're moving your body, like that reduces mm-hmm. your risks for all kinds of cancer. Right. And then, you know, the other thing that we haven't really touched on yet is like, one, getting to know your body. That's mm-hmm. huge for being able to advocate but also knowing your risk. So a lot of people, including me, don't know their family history. Like literally talk to your parents, sit them down and say like, hey, I want to take control of my health. I need to know, like, did Aunt Sue have breast cancer in her Mm forties? Like find out those things. Cause I didn't find out that my grandmother had breast cancer until after I was diagnosed. Like I literally had no idea Um, and now granted in my case, I didn't have a genetic mutation, so it wasn't like a family history thing. And she was diagnosed in her sixties versus me being diagnosed in my twenties. It's kind of considered like a different kind of breast cancer, but it's still something where you need to know, like, Hey, do I have anybody in my family? And if you do, then it's a little bit easier to advocate for yourself Mm -hmm. because, You can get scans earlier, you can like tell your doctor this information so Mm -hmm. they know like how to help you be proactive.
0: Absolutely. And like, I think that made a perfect point of when you know your history or know your family's history, you are able to advocate for yourself of saying, hey, I'm a little bit concerned about this lump that I found or I'm feeling off in this way. I know that my family has a history. Like for me, my dad had um, colon cancer when he was 27 and it, his great or his grandmother had it. And so, but I mean, at 27, again, same situation, you don't ever expect that to happen. And so I think for me, I am very aware of family, um, you know, cancers or illnesses or anything like that only because of that. I don't know if, if that had not happened to my dad, if I would be that, you know, aware of, Hey, what's my family background. And I think that that's something that, like you said, you've got to sit down and have those conversations with your parents or with other family members, because again, that's the only way you're going to be able to know and advocate for yourself because you might have a doctor that's not like yours saying, but let's do this just in case they may just say, go home. Like you said, and it'll be fine. No worries.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, just culturally, too, when we're in our 20s or 30s, like, I was probably I was like this prior, and I'm sure so many people are is like, do you just defer to healthcare experts, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, you have a degree, you went to medical school, like, you know, right. And this is like, not shitting on doctors in the medical community. But again, like, we know our bodies best, if you're not getting an answer from a doctor that makes you feel comfortable about what's Mm -hmm. going on in your body get a second opinion, like go to another shop, shop for people, just like you wouldn't go get your hair done by someone that you don't like trust, or you don't like their opinion. Mm -hmm. Like go interview a second. doctor. There's nothing wrong with that. Do
0: your research, find other people that have seen those doctors that have recommendations good or bad, because, you know, like you said, you're not going to go trust somebody like even a hairdresser. You're like, I'm not going to go in blind and just be like, okay, I'm going to this person. You want those recommendations. You want to see what they've you know, what they've other people have had done or whatever, you know, and I think that um, I think that sometimes people, like you said, just kind of trust that first person. And it's like, okay, they they said it, you know, they've, yeah. they've been to the doctor, but, and I think you touched on exercise. I feel like, exercise has helped me be so much more in tune with my body and in all aspects. And I will fully admit that I am a hypochondriac. And I think some of that have to do with (laughs) my dad having cancer twice and my mom having Crohn's and health issues. I think that I jump worst case scenario. And I know a lot of people do, especially, I know so many people have anxiety and, um, especially now. And, but I think these things are just more talked about. And I think that it's a good thing because, most likely it's not going to be anything, but on the off chance that my gut is telling me, Hey, this just doesn't feel right. You got to go with that because, and I'm, I can be bad about not listening to my gut sometimes. And I always hate when I do that <laughs> because usually it's right, you know, on, on whatever it is, you know? So, um, to kind of transition a little bit or not even really transition, you were a newlywed, correct? When you, when you were diagnosed, how long had you been married? I was. Yeah, so my husband
1: and I had only been married a year. And we were, we had bought our first home prior to getting married. And so we were in the midst of like trying to move. And we just celebrated our wedding anniversary. And we're trying to like have a baby. I'd gone off birth control for the first time since I was like 15, which like,
0: not to mention
1: all the like crazy hormonal like changes (laughs) of that. And then we're living with my mother-in-law. Oh so it was like gosh. the baby making was like on hold for like yeah. a couple of months. Cause we're like, this is awkward. We're and not we're doing this my in my mother-in-law. Childhood, like, <laughs> yeah. This is like, I think we'll just wait for a minute until we get our next house. And then that's when I found my lump actually when we were living with her. Oh so wow. it was like super stressful too, on top of like not being in your own mm-hmm. space and like not having like your comfortable like private area to like process with this grief. So yeah, so he was, you know, absolutely amazing. But that was so hard for our marriage of being like, hey, we're a year in. And then now instead of like, yay, we're in this happy newlywed stage. It's like, oh my God, now we've got to like make decisions about our future and about cancer and about, you know, treatment and all of those things. And so it was a huge, huge shock to the system and to him, like as a partner.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I saw the video where he shaved his head in support of you. By the way, yeah. you look amazing with shape. I shape. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my head would be like all different kinds of shape. You're gorgeous. <laughs> you are gorgeous. Um, And I think how, tell me a little bit. I know we've only got about 10 minutes and I know we're going to probably try and do a part two. So everybody's going to be able to yeah. get involved with that part two. Um, but tell me a little bit about that journey, because I know a lot of women, not necessarily like. Are defined by their hair or you know their bodies or anything like that 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 doesn't define us but it makes up a huge part of our confidence. How did that shape you, especially being a newlywed or just being a twenty-seven-year-old woman? How how was that journey? Oh my
1: gosh, yeah, you're so right. I mean, I think it's one of those things. Like we all think, like, oh, you know, my hair doesn't define me, my clothes don't define me, all that stuff, right? We're trying to move to that space where none of that matters. But suddenly when you're realizing that you're going to lose it all, I mean, that was horrific. I think even losing my breasts wasn't as hard as losing my hair. I think because it was just maybe it felt a little bit more tangible of like, hey, I have this tumor in my breast. It has to go like just yeah. cut it off. And I mean, that was traumatic in its own way of like waking up and feeling like I had a body amputation but it was that which hair it is piece. it is a it is which an it amputation is. yes it, is, an it amputation. is and people don't think like, of it like it can- that
0: we'll touch on that later <laughs> wish but yes they I would. Would.
1: <laughs> I wish they would yeah <laughs> I wish they would touch on it that way yeah instead of like oh it's a choice and I'm like, well, mm. it wasn't really a choice. Like I had to do this or I probably would have died. Like, yeah, that's right. not really a choice. Yeah, no. But you're right. I mean, the hair piece, I think was what was the hardest in terms of the confidence, because at least with the mastectomy, I could hide that in mm. a way like I could wear a prosthetic like puff in my like bra, I can mm. like wear clothes to hide it but you lose your hair and you look in the mirror and you're like, I don't recognize this person. Like, who is this? Uh, And like you said, you know, I, I, I was happy to find like, Oh, I, I actually kind of like my bald head, but it took like many months to get there sure, because you're, yeah, you're looking in the mirror and you're like, I don't recognize this person. I don't feel feminine. I don't know who this person is. Um, And so it was a really, really hard phase of just like not feeling confident and not feeling like you know who you are as mm-hmm. you're like navigating the world and realizing how much our hair does define us and make it's almost like this barrier to the world because mm-hmm. you think about how you feel when you're having a good hair day like oh, yeah. you literally feel invincible
0: literally so, like, imagine, like hair <laughs> flip like oh my gosh I can do yes. anything <laughs> it's 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 kind of sad a little bit that that, you know, is what, but it, but it is, it's, you know, it's like, okay, we can do anything we want on any good given day, good hair day, bad hair day. But when it's taken away from you, not by choice, that's, that's a whole different level of confidence rocker.
1: It is. Yeah. And I think that part is just like you said, amplified by being so young. I mean, at any age, losing your hair and your breast is hard, but particularly in that phase of your life where your looks and your appearance and how you're showing up in the world defines, I think, so much of how you feel confident and who you are, Um, which now seven years later, I try to say like, oh, I don't want that to control me as much, but it does. It's a society we live in. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, I wouldn't want to lose my hair again, even though it's back. So it's, yeah. And your hair is so cute. I love
0: the, (laughs) it's so cute. Like you just rock the bob, like, oh my gosh, I'm And I think and this is going to be like probably my last little question. So I don't want you to be late for your next meeting because I want to continue this conversation (laughs) next time. But but how do you think now having your hair back, how do you think that's changed you in the way you view your hair or makeup or clothes? Um, Because I know it's probably changed that view a lot.
1: Oh, absolutely. So yeah, we definitely have to continue this conversation. Like we still have, we still have so much, so much to talk about. So we'll, we'll do a part two, but I think, you know, the biggest thing for me, like initially I was just a really insecure person, like going into cancer. So that was kind of my baseline of just like not really feeling a hundred percent in my body, even when I had my hair and my breasts. And so I definitely went through that period initially of just like this shock and, depression of like, who is this person? I don't recognize you. And then it was kind of this sink or swim moment of like, okay, I look like an 11 year old boy. Like I don't have any hair. I don't have any breasts. i gained a bunch of weight during chemo and like trying, I had to finally like separate this person that I saw in the mirror from who I knew that I was like as a survival tactic, because I kind of had to realize like, wow, if I'm defining my worth and my confidence on how I look in the mirror, like that isn't who I am inside and that's going to change. And so I do feel like I never would wish Cancer upon anyone, but I do feel like that was like a very strange gift that I got mm-hmm. from the experience of feeling like, wow, okay, I know who I am now, I know what my worth is and my value beyond my appearance. Mm-hmm. Like I'm still impacted by my appearance. Of course. I still want to look a certain of way when I go out. Yeah. Because that's human. Mm-hmm. But now, if I have a bad hair day or I'm gaining some weight or whatever the change to my appearance is it's less so about who I am. It's less so a definition of me as a person. And so I do wish that like just culturally, we all could get to that place without right. it like having to be some life-changing trauma that you right. went through.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> well, and I think that people, I want I want you to tell everybody where they can find you on Instagram to where before we get to the next, next uh, episode to part two, um, because I think that you offer... One, like I said earlier in the episode or earlier in the recording, like you offer a lot of advice and tips from an insider perspective about breast cancer, but also just like you talked about, you're learning that your worth is not defined by your looks. So where can everybody find you on Instagram or any social medias?
1: Yes. You can find me everywhere as My Cancer Chic, C-H-I-C. My website's MyCancerChic.com. And I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, all the places, Facebook, you are all whatever, over the place. whatever you're into. So yes. Thank you so That's much amazing. for having me. Thank you I so can't much. wait for us to chat more.
0: I can't wait either. Thank you so much. And we'll talk soon. Yay. Right, thanks. Bye. This wraps up the first part of my conversation with Anna. I'm so excited to have her back. We have a lot more to talk about and a lot to dive into. So, um, please go and follow her. She has got just so much to offer on Instagram. She is so encouraging and inspiring and just is truly a light um, during your day. So make sure you're following her and be sure to tune in next week right here on Lex Appeal. As always, I'm your host, Lexi White, but you can call me Lex. Have a great week. Cheers.